Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific uh, work. And you can find out more and give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today featuring Bob Levy. He is the chairman emeritus of the Cato Institute. We'll be talking about gun control and the Second Amendment, continuing that conversation. We also may have a chance to speak with Dr. Zudi Jasser. He's the founder of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy. It'll be interesting to get his thoughts on uh, what's happening with Hamas and with, uh, uh, with uh, uh, Israel. It is October the 11th, and on this day in 1793, the death toll from a yellow fever epidemic in Philadelphia hit 100. By the time it ended, 5,000 people were dead. Yellow fever, or American plague it was known at the time, is a viral disease that begins with fever and muscle pain. Next victims often become jaundice, hence the term yellow fever. As their liver and kidneys cease to function normally, some of the afflicted then suffer even worse symptoms. Famous early American Cotton Mather described it as turning yellow, then vomiting and bleeding every way. Internal bleeding is the digestive tract caused bloody vomit. Many uh, victims became delirious before dying. The first yellow fever outbreaks in the United States occurred in the 1690s, near 100 years later. In the early summer of uh, 1793, refugees from a yellow fever epidemic in the Caribbean fled to Philadelphia. Within weeks, people throughout the city were experiencing symptoms. By the middle of October, 100 people were dying from this vicious virus every day. Caring for victims was so strained that public services that the local government collapsed uh, Philadelphia was also the seat of the United States government at the time, but federal authorities simply evacuated the city in face of the raging epidemic. Eventually, a cold front eliminated Philadelphia's mosquito population, and the death toll fell to 20 per day by October the 26th. Today, a vaccine prevents yellow fever in much of the world, though thousands of people still die every year from the disease. Just raises the specter of what's coming across our border, doesn't it? Uh, and there could be so many different other diseases besides yellow fever. Well, Israel yesterday increased its mobilization of reservists to 360,000, the largest call-up since the country's founding, as its military continued to launch airstrikes in the sealed-off Gaza Strip following Hamas's surprise attack in Israel on Saturday. Israeli airstrikes destroyed Gaza's upscale Rimal neighborhood, and home to ministries of a Hamas-run government and regained control of two dozen border towns, Hamas rockets targeted Tel Aviv and the coastal town of Ashkelon. The death toll in Israel has now risen to more than 1,000, including at least 750 civilians and 14 Americans with at least 2,600 wounded. At least 20 Americans are still unaccounted for in Israel, U.S. President Joe Biden said yesterday in his 10-minute speech. The uh, Israeli military said it had found the bodies of roughly 1,500 Hamas assailants. In Gaza, at least 900 have died with 4,500 wounded. What a horrific, horrific attack. Additionally, Israel said it's intercepted four of 15 rockets launched from Lebanon, 
which it shares the northern border, and the tanks from Israeli uh, forces struck three Hezbollah observation posts. Hezbollah and Hamas are both backed by Iran. Israel also carried out artillery strikes in Syria, with which it shares a northeast border, after a Palestinian faction launched rockets into the uh, Israeli area. Observers say uh, concerns are growing over a wider regional conflict, therefore, when Syria joins. U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken is expected to arrive in Israel today in a show of support. The first plane carrying U.S. ammunition arrived in Israel yesterday. Israel has asked uh, the U.S. for more weapons, including interceptors for its Iron Dome missile defense system. So it looks like the Israelis are getting things under control, which is great, but uh, at terrific and horrific expense. Biden took four days to address the Hamas horror. He didn't mention Iran at all. He called Hamas' attack on Israel pure, adulterated, unadulterated evil, as he vowed, vowed to stand with Israel. He gave a 10-minute uh, talk and didn't take questions afterwards. We'll make sure Israel House what it needs to take care of itself, Biden said at the White, from the White House. In addition to the atrocities already mentioned, Hamas terrorists massacred at least 40 babies and killed in, uh, kids in sickening rampage in one town. Some found uh, babies beheaded. Can you imagine? Israel claimed Israeli soldiers discovered scenes of unimaginable horror at the village close to a Gaza border that was held for two days by the Hamas militants. You know, just a week ago, Benjamin Netanyahu was urging Israelis to take a break. He said citizens should go out for a walk in our beautiful country during the Sukkot uh, holiday. He posed for photographs with his wife Sarah in the Golan Heights, and the two of them smiling as the sun set. Now, of course, he's preparing citizens for an immense retaliation campaign against Israelis' foes. He says that the airstrikes seen so far against Gaza are just the beginning and that what we will do to our enemies in the next few days will echo for generations. So Israelis, uh, or Iran's Khamenei, hailed Hamas, warned retaliation could be a greater disaster. Hamas inflicted an irreparable defeat on Israel, according to Iran's uh, ruling cleric, who denied responsibility for the terrorist attack, but vowed that Israel's response would lead to a greater disaster for the Jewish state. From the military and intelligence aspects, this defeat is irreparable, as uh, the Alatoli Khomeini told the audience of Iranian military cadets per Iranian media. It is a devastating earthquake. It's unlikely that the usurping regime will be able to use the uh, help of the West to repair the deep impacts that the incident has left on its ruling structures. We kiss the foreheads and arms of skillful, intelligent designers and Palestinian youth, but those who say that the recent epic is the work of non-Palestinians suffer from miscalculation, Khomeini said. So you can see where he stands on the whole issue. He's uh, backing Hamas and Hezbollah. What, a, what a, a force of evil he is. What a force of evil Iran is. The Israeli Defense Force says that they have sealed the border to Gaza and mined, uh, mined gaps, but the uh, further incursions may be possible. The known death toll from both Israelis and terrorists uh, grows and continues to grow in the wake of Saturday's attack, with Jerusalem saying that the national death toll has gone past 900, and the armed forces also revealed a considerable number of terrorists dead after being, uh, being discovered. A spokesman for the Israeli Defense Force, the IDF, Lieutenant Colonel Richard Hecht, 
who has gained some attention in the United Kingdom as he was brought up in Scotland and speaks with a strong Scottish accent, said on Tuesday morning that the bodies of 1,500 terrorists have been found so far in southern Israel, reports the Times of Israel. The paper notes that there will have also been hundreds more dead in Gaza as the IDF moves to defend itself against the massive terror attack. So there are consequences for Hamas. The first transport plane with advanced American munitions landed at the uh, air base in Navatim in southern Israel uh, last evening, the military says. The IDF says the ammunition is intended to enable significant strikes and preparations for additional scenarios. We are grateful for the American support and assistance to the IDF in particular and the state of Israel in general during this challenging period, the IDF said. So munitions from the United States landing there. President Biden's decision to drain the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, or the SPR, uh, to its lowest level in decades is, is the back the, in the spotlight amid the war between Israel and Palestinian Islamist group Hamas, which has caused oil prices to surge. On Monday, the uh, Brent Crude Index, the worldwide oil benchmark, and the U.S. WTI Index both surged more than 4%, an inch closer to $90 a barrel as a result of volatility created by the Middle East crisis. According to analysts, the conflict triggered over the weekend uh, after a series of unprovoked attacks by Palestinian militants on Israel may lead to a large amount of oil, global oil supplies being withheld. If the conflict envelops Iran... Up to 3% of global oil supply is at risk, and if a wider conflict eventuates that ends up impacting transit through the Strait of Hormuz, another 20% of global oil supply could be held hostage, that according to any energy experts. So this a lot at risk here with what's going on with Hamas and Israel, and especially the price of energy across the globe. A closed-door candidate forum for House Speaker uh, held Tuesday with GOP Majority Leader Steve Scalise and Representative uh, Jim Jordan made their final pitches for the post, failed to produce a clear frontrunner, according to multiple GOP lawmakers who attended the event. Held during a party conference meeting, the forum saw the two declared candidates attempt to woo Republican uh, representatives to become the next leader of the lower chamber of of, uh, Congress. Votes are on hold in the House until a new speaker assumes office. The winner will need a simple majority of 218 yes votes on the uh, House floor to assume office. Each declared candidate for speaker will have five minutes of opening remarks, followed by a Q&A session with members and concluding with two minutes closing statement. I look forward to hosting a productive session to ensure we focus on delivering for the American people. That would, according to Ella. Chair uh, uh, Representative Elise Stefanik from New York, who wrote Tuesday on X ahead of the forum. Representative Kevin McCarthy was ousted as Speaker last week after uh, Matt Gates introduced a motion to vacate the position that passed with uh, eight GOP votes and the support of all Democrat voters and lawmakers. McCarthy has not declared his candidacy at the press time, but has not ruled out be returning to Speakership if none of the candidates receive enough support. Uh, Whatever the conference wants, I will do, he said Monday. Outside of the candidate forum, however, McCarthy confirmed that he has asked members not to nominate him at Tuesday's meeting. The House GOP conference speaker election is expected to be held today. It's unclear at this time which when the full House vote will uh, actually occur. 
So what's happened here is, of course, the reason why McCarthy was ousted is because of his failure to follow regular order and to break his promises to the GOP uh, when he, that he made in February. Now we have an international incident. We've got this thing going on with uh, Israel and Gaza. And uh, now that the scent is changed to the international scene, McCarthy, I would assume, sees an opening and an opportunity uh, for him to become speaker again. My hope is he won't because uh, we need new blood, a new broom sweeps clean, and this gives us an opportunity to make a change and get back to regular order and get control of our budget and domestic affairs. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Bob Levy. He is the chairman emeritus of the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. 
Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by, I should say, we're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Bob Levy. He is the chairman emeritus of the Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure. Good to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute. We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C., and devoted to defending free markets, private property, securing individual rights, and limited government. C-A-T-O.org on the web. Cato.org, a very robust website. I hope you check it out, Cato.org. So, Bob, for the last few weeks, we've been talking about the Second Amendment and gun control. In the aftermath of the Parkland killings and other high-profile mass murders, the pressure for more gun control has increased. Let me get your opinion on a couple of these proposals. For starters, here's one that seems to be self-evident. Keep anyone on the terrorist watch list from getting a gun. Yeah, well, what seems obvious isn't quite uh, so simple because of our constitutional requirement for due process. Uh, the terrorist watch list contains about 800,000 names. Huh. There's a smaller uh, subset of that, which is called the no-fly list, and that contains about uh, 110,000 names. And th- these lists are secretive, they're error-prone, sometimes they're discriminatory, and individuals can be included based solely on suspicion or hunch. And government guidelines actually state, and this is a quote, Concrete facts are not necessary. Ah. So, you know, unless and until we tighten up the list and provide adequate means to challenge and correct the mistakes, I think we should not be just arbitrarily denying everybody that's on the list uh, the right to own a firearm, especially because the practical effect uh, will be pretty uh, negligible. Uh, GAO reported 23 million background checks in a recent year, and of those, 244 were on the no-fly list. That's one thousandth of one percent. Wow. And and 90 percent of the persons on the no-fly list, they're already disqualified from buying guns because they're not citizens and they're not lawful residents. So it, it's not quite as simple as it seems. No, it certainly isn't. So, so thank you for bringing that to our attention. And also, of course, the, the list could be politicized, uh, which is, uh, of course, in today's environment, pretty typical. So we yeah, want to be careful. A- absolutely. That's exactly right. So what about the proposal to ban high-capacity magazines? Well, you know, I can imagine a, a Korean shop <clears throat> owner during the Watts riots who needed multiple rounds to protect his his uh, family, but I can also imagine multiple victim killings like we had in Parkland, where innocent lives might have been saved if high-capacity magazines had been effectively banned. So the question, of course, is which is the weightier concern, and that's where government has the burden to demonstrate that the benefits of banning these high-capacity magazines exceed the costs. And if the benefits exceed the costs, I have no doubt that a ban would survive a Second Amendment court challenge. But there, there are a number of uh, practical problems. First, these homemade magazines are easy to assemble. Uh, second, murderers can readily reload a second or third magazine in a matter of seconds. Yeah. And third, there's no way to confiscate, and this is the big one, millions of these high-capacity magazines uh, that are already in circulation. A lot of the semi-automatic pistols are configured 
for 10 to 15 round magazines. So a band on any size, you know, less than 15, I think would account encounter a great resistance. But, you know, I'm not, I'm not aware of any situation where an actual or potential victim, a civilian victim has fired more than 15 rounds of self-defense. I am aware of magazines with a capacity greater than 15 that have been used numerous times in these mass killings. Hmm. So that that might justify a uh, sufficient grounds for government to ban anything greater than, say, 15 rounds. That's so interesting, Bob. Well, thank you for that. What about the proposal to ban high? Oh, I said uh, high capacity magazines. What about the uh, the assault weapons ban? Well, you know, after the we had a ban, nineteen ninety four expired in two thousand four, and after it expired, the New York Times uh, reported, uh, despite dire predictions that the streets would be awash in military style guns, expiration of the assault weapons ban has not set off a sustained surge in sales or caused any noticeable increase in gun crimes. So there are millions of these so-called assault weapons that are now used by millions of Americans for hunting, for self-defense, for target shooting, and even for Olympic uh, competition. The criminals, they they use handguns. You know, AR-15s are expensive. They're difficult to conceal. So even if we were to uh, reinstitute the assault weapons ban, we would have to deal with millions of these guns that are already already owned. That's a tall order. It certainly is, and it just begs the question about what exactly qualifies as an assault weapon, which is exactly a, right. a, yes. a separate question. So uh, couldn't we get existing guns off the street with a buyback program like Australia implemented? Yes, yeah, some people think that that would work here, but it would be costly. And furthermore, think about who, who would the sellers be? There would be individuals who wanted the money more than they wanted the guns. Right. And that would include mostly low-income people living in high-crime areas who obey the law but need a means to defend themselves. And who who would not sell? Who would keep the weapons? These are people who value the weapon more than they value the money, and that would include criminals and terrorists and mentally deranged peoples who aren't motivated by uh, financial incentives. And, you know, it's not even clear that the mandatory buyback program worked in Australia. Uh, Twelve years after uh, the massacre that triggered the ban, uh, Time magazine reported on a study that said, and and this is a quote, it was a waste of public money and has made no difference to the country's gun-related death rates. So the homicide rate had been declining in Australia before the ban, and there was no change in the trend after the ban was imposed. Isn't that interesting? So is there nothing that could be done about military-style semi-automatic weapons? Well, you actually touched on this. The real question isn't the style uh, or the military features. The real question is the killing power of the weapon, which depends depends on three things. The size and speed of the bullet, the time between bullets, and the magazine capacity. And that's how we should identify these weapons subject to a ban. You know, banning popular semi-automatic rifles merely because they come equipped with a pistol grip or some other attachment that has no effect on how lethal they are, that type of a ban makes no sense at all. In the Heller case, uh, Justice Scalia wrote that the Second Amendment would pose no barrier to outlawing, outlawing weapons that are in common use and especially dangerous. So clearly some weapons can be banned. Automatic weapons 
have been essentially banned since 1934. So the, the task is to identify those particular semi-automatic firearms that are not commonly used for lawful purposes and would improve public safety if they were banned. I think the, the 1994 weapons ban went too far, but a better crafted, somewhat limited version that properly identified the type of weapons we want to ban, that might be warranted. So interesting. Bob, I'd like to continue the conversation. Can you stick around? You bet. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Make it a convenient and stress-free experience by calling the dynamic and trustworthy husband and wife team of Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Find out about their unique and complimentary post-closing concierge services not offered by other area agents. Matt and Megan Chionis give you the competitive advantage to command a premium price for your property. They personally attend all showings, create a marketing strategy for your property, and offer that complimentary concierge service to your potential buyer. This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near-record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratospel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's uh, brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. Uh, they help uh, prepare elected officials to win in the state legislatures. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. We continue the conversation with Bob Levy, the chairman of the Cato, chairman emeritus, I should say, of the Cato Institute. Again, Bob, thank you so much for joining us. A pleasure, Bob. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Bob. So uh, we're continuing the conversation about uh, the Second Amendment and gun control. How about the so-called smart guns that automatically dis are disabled if the shooter isn't the owner? Well, the problems there, it sounds like a good idea. The problems there are the technical reliability of those weapons, at least given the current state of their development, the cost of the weapons, which is considerable, and also transferability. You know, how do you let your family member use the weapon if it only works for you and they need the weapon. Yeah. So uh, there are about uh, 400 million 
existing guns in circulation that don't have that feature. So it would be a long time before they made any difference. Uh, I suggest that they be offered smart guns as an optional feature until we have better data to know whether this feature is something that really ought to be required. That's right. The consumer can make the choice, right? I think is what you're Absolutely. suggesting instead of having it by law. So what about the clamor to extend background checks to private uh, sales at gun shows? Well, less than 2% of the guns that are used by criminals are brought, bar, bought at these gun shows. Uh, and that includes <clears throat> sales through licensed dealers at gun shows. And they're already subject to background checks, all sales through licensed dealers. Uh, the claim that 40% of gun transfers escapes checks is really bogus. It's based on a study that, that was conducted even before the Brady background system was fully uh, implemented, and it included, as part of the guns that escape checks, gifts and inheritances. And there's nobody who's demanding background checks uh, if you, in, you know, inherit a gun from your father. Uh, so, it, you know, it, if we properly limited the data to sales of guns, then I, about 86% are through federally licensed dealers, all of which are subject uh, to checks. And, the, you know, the New York Times, which editorialized that background checks prevented nearly 2 million gun sales over a 15-year period. Of course, that's, that's ridiculous because there's no way for the Times to know how many of those buyers uh, couldn't get a gun. If you're a violence-prone buyer and you don't pass the background check, uh, you don't say, oh, I'll just forget about it. You go to the black market uh, for your purchase or you steal a gun. That's what happens. Yeah, that's so interesting. You know, it's so, Bob, uh, just uh, in the process of this interview, it's kind of interesting when you know the facts and <laughs> as opposed to just expressing your feelings about uh, about guns. Yeah, how, a lot of this is, this is driven by emotion. Yeah, it is. So how about the NICS? It's the National Instant Criminal Background Check System. Has it worked? Well, there, there are some inter interesting figures for uh, 2008. That's when the Heller case was decided, uh, the NICS system, NICS, denied 79,000 would-be buyers. Of those, it prosecuted 105 huh. and convicted 43. <clears throat> Th that's a conviction rate of five one-hundredths of one percent. Yeah. So either the remaining denials were legitimate purchases and they were unjustly blocked by NICS, or, if the denials were proper, then it means that 99.95% of the 79,000 rejected applicants actually escaped punishment. So neither of those conclusions offer much hope for an expanded system. We'd be doing much, much better to improve uh, the existing system of background checks. And the claim that these background checks take just a few minutes, I think, is a bit uh, disingenuous. A significant number of checks last 72 hours, and that's longer than most gun shows, which are two-day events. So the I in NICS stands for instant. Mm -hmm. If there were technology to facilitate truly speedy background checks, let's say 24 hours, I, I personally would have no objection to extending NICS to cover private sales at gun shows. That's not because I'm convinced that they'd curb violence, but because it gets us past this particular debate 
and lets us address options that might be more effective in curbing violence. So how about improving reporting on prospective gun buyers who have mental illness or, or mental problems? Yeah, that's the big uh, kahuna. Um, currently, federal regulations prohibit transferring a firearm or ammunition to any person who is adjudicated as a mental defective, which means that a court determines he's a danger to himself or to others, or that he lacks the capacity to manage his own affairs. So the only other banned buyers are those that are committed to a mental institution by court order. So that those definitions exclude persons who commit themselves voluntarily and those people who are admitted just for observation. Obama uh, wanted to include persons who were ordered to get outpatient treatment. Frankly, that seems reasonable to me as long as there's a process to restore gun rights when the person is no longer deemed to be a public safety risk. Unfortunately, the bigger drawback of the NICS database is that a lot of states simply haven't provided mental health data to the system. And the Supreme Court has ruled uh, that the federal government can't be compelled, uh, can't compel the states to comply uh, with this requirement to, to uh, furnish background data. So maybe the states will be more cooperative after these recent incidents that have involved multiple shootings by mentally unstable person. But until we get good data, uh, that's not likely to be a significant help. You know, Bob, it kind of raises the question, too, about uh, we have families and communities here, and people keeping an eye on each other and providing support and so forth. Maybe some of these people could be, uh, some of these situations could be avoided if people just paid attention to what's happening with their family and their neighbors. Indeed. You know, the, the, the more effective solution, as you say, is early detection. Mm-hmm. and treatment of this mental illness. So, I, you know, I'm no expert on mental illness, so I can't offer specific recommendations except the, uh, make the obvious point that greater scrutiny of these medical records imposes serious civil liberties issues, and we have to address that um, before we violate everybody's uh, privacy rights. We do have these red flag laws, which have been approved in many states, yeah. where the police or the family can identify persons that are likely to be a danger to themselves or others, and then the courts can strip them of gun rights uh, temporarily. So that, I think, is a good idea. But among the concerns are due process. How do you define mental problems? Uh, Are there personal vendettas involved? And what process is being used to restore those gun rights? Yeah, so interesting. You know, I talked to the chief of police in Oxnard, California, where we lived for 10 years, and uh, he had said that, you, you know, one of the first signals of uh, uh, mental illness is uh, incarceration or pr- tr- trouble with the police. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know yeah. if there's a connection there somehow that some way that uh, the law enforcement could be more involved. Yeah, it's a, it's a very tricky problem. In the, but indeed, that is the real issue when it comes to, to these mass killings, particularly these school shootings. We have to... Uh, detect this mental illness problem before they get their guns. Bob Levy again, Chairman Emeritus of the Cato Institute. I hope you visit the website cato.org, C-A-2-O.org. Bob, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you, Bob. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. (laughs) 
Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. In a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. You've heard me speak many times about Lulubee's Dining at the Green Tree Shopping Center. It's a great breakfast and lunch as well. And now, in addition, uh, they're serving dinner, Lulubee's Diner, Wednesday through Saturdays, 4 to 8 p.m. And the menu is terrific. Great comfort food as well as seafood and other choices. It's uh, very casual and also uh, inexpensive. Great value. So I uh, hope you'll consider uh, Lulubee's Diner. You can just drop down by. You don't need a reservation. Lulubee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m. Well, the United Auto Workers members at Volvo Group owned Mack Trucks facilities in three states went on strike yesterday after rejecting a proposed five-year contract. The tentative deal was uh, downloaded by 73% of the 4,000 workers in Florida, Maryland, and Pennsylvania. The deal would have included a 19% pay raise over five years at $3,500 ratification bonus and improved retirement and health benefits. The UAW President Sean Fain said the two sides remain apart on issues such as wage increases, cost of living allowances, and work schedules. Mack truck workers are not uh, part of the original UAW strike, which began on September the 15th against the Big Three, General Motors, Ford, and Stellantis, formerly Fiat Chrysler. Observers say that Mack deal could have fallen uh, apart due to a higher expectation for the bargaining with the Big Three, 
Uh, Ford has so, offered, so far offered 23% pay increase, while GM and Stellantis are offering 20%. More than uh, 30,000 workers are now striking across 22 states. So, uh, you know, strikes, of course, a good indication that uh, inflation is taking hold of the economy. And uh, so the uh, typical contracted uh, increases are not acceptable because people want more buying power out of their uh, the inflated prices that they're having to pay. So that's one of the reasons for the strikes. But the other is, of course, uh, that this, this is going to be a prolonged strike, I have a feeling. And uh, now that more than 30,000 workers are striking, uh, get it very expensive, not only for uh, uh, the union, but also for the uh, car makers as well. Or former President Donald Trump hit a record high. The latest survey of the con- uh, contest shows Trump backed by 61% of potential Republican primary voters. And in recent days, the former president hit 63%, marking a record since tracking uh, in December. Ron DeSantis is back as a record low. He uh, trails Trump by 49 percentage points following a week in which he reached a record 51% deficit against the frontrunner. The Florida governor also re- uh, returned to uh, record low in support at 12%. This gives him only 3% lead over Vivek Ramaswamy, who uh, has roughly one in five potential primary voters say that, that he is their second choice. There's no traction for Scott. South Carolina Senator Tim Scott's uh, campaign has reportedly pressed donors to hang on in hopes of winning his home state's important primary contest. The tracking continues to show him struggling to gain any traction nationwide. The latest latest survey shows him with 2% backing, down from a 4% high reached in August. Roughly 7 in 10 potential primary voters say have not heard anything about him at all recently. So... uh, kind of fading in out of the picture. And Governor Ron DeSantis is betting big on Iowa in a gamble to close the primary gap and the polling gap between him and the 2024 presidential frontrunner Donald Trump. DeSantis this week asked approximately a third of his aides in Tallahassee to move to Iowa three and a half months before the caucuses, but the time and money are limited resources for the governor, once considered the GOP's best hope for undermining Trump. DeSantis' strategy is to make a stand in Iowa. It's a long shot, but at this point, it's probably his only shot, according to Dan Schur, the communications director of Arizona Republican Senator John McCain's 2000 presidential campaign. So it looks like, uh, again, Trump continues to increase in the polls, and uh, nobody's getting close. Quite frankly, uh, I wonder how Robert Kennedy entering the fray right now is going to affect things. Some uh, pundits are saying that it could take Trump, take votes away from Trump. I doubt that uh, a lot, quite frankly, but uh, it should uh, reduce the impact of uh, the Democrat candidate. Uh, Of course, uh, Robert Kennedy, RFK Jr., was running as a Democrat and now has decided because he doesn't get the support of of his uh, party to run as an independent. Well, in addition, a moderate and well-funded network led by former 2012 Republican presidential ticket of Mitt Romney and former House Speaker Paul Ryan, they're teaming up to influence the 2024 election in today's politics with an eye on pushing former President Donald Trump to the sidelines. The duo's allies of donors and influencers are meeting in Park City, Utah, to push for a new GOP leadership and to hear from a series of Republican presidential candidates that apparently agree. 
So uh, Mitt Romney, of course, a failed presidential candidate uh, running against Barack Obama and his vice presidential candidate, uh, House Speaker Paul Ryan. Uh, you know, if you can't bring Trump down with lawfare, you're probably not going <laughs> to bring it down uh, by these two clowns. So we'll see what happens. President uh, Joe Biden will meet with special counsel Robert Hur over the past two days. He did meet with him regarding the allegedly mishandled classified documents uh, that were discovered in his home and office, the White House said on Monday. The voluntary interview was conducted at the White House over two days, Sunday and Monday, and concluded Monday, uh, said Ian Sams, who's, uh, according to New York Times, classified documents were found on several occasions in Biden's home and office after from December 22 to uh, January 23. The interview was reportedly scheduled before Hamas invaded Israel, resulting in more than 900 deaths in Israel and, of course, a declaration of war from Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. The interview may signal that her is closing uh, close to concluding his probe. As we said from the beginning, the president and the White House are cooperating with the investigation and it has been appropriate. We have provided relevant updates publicly, being as transparent as we as can consistent be with uh, protecting and preserving the integrity of the investigation, Sam's also said. So no charges have been filed against Biden in the case as of October the 9th, but former President Donald Trump faces multiple charges related to his allegedly mishandling of classified documents. Can you believe that? A two-tiered system of justice is just unbelievable. We know that uh, Biden had stuff everywhere in his garage next to his Corvette. President Trump had things locked at Mar-a-Lago, locked in a, in a basement uh, vault. He got uh, approval of the situation from the FBI when they visited uh, and from uh, people from the uh, archives. And uh, now they're trying to press charges on President Donald Trump. What do you bet that Biden is going to walk scot-free from this situation? That would be based on just uh, what's happened in the past. I would, that would be my assumption. Carrie Lake is set to jump into the Arizona Senate race on Tuesday with former gubernatorial candidates showing a strong lead in early polling from a hypothetical three-way race between herself Democrat candidate Ruben Gallego and incumbent Sistan Kirsten Cinema. In a race that includes all three candidates, Lake Feats uh, Lake leads the field with 37% for our support compared to 33% who say they would back Gallego, according to an independent polling conducted by a national research firm. So, to, to my knowledge, Carrie Lake is still uh, in. Uh, judicial proceedings with the, the state of Arizona about her becoming the governor of Arizona. Well, quite frankly, I think she won that race, and uh, there's all kinds of obstruction going on to allow that to be acknowledged. But uh, irrespective, it's kind of interesting. She's running for Senate and leading the, the fray right now uh, with uh, having uh, still disputing, I should say, the governor's race in Arizona. Okay, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. 
Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, building a 44,000 square foot performing arts center in downtown Naples. It's going to be absolutely beautiful. Should be uh, completed by 2024. Also, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can get tickets now, some great performances coming up, and find out more by visiting the very robust website, Gulf Shore Playhouse. Dot org. That's GulfShorePlayhouse.org. Well, Kamala Harris was asked why the economy is in trouble with home sales dropping to a 14-year low and mortgage applications at a 27-year low. So <laughs> you're probably excited to hear what the, her response might be. Well, young leaders suffer from climate anxiety, which she defines as their fear about whether they should have children, whether they should even think about buying a home for fear that it might be wiped out because of extreme weather currents. <laughs> I'm not kidding. She really said that. No lie. <laughs> she actually said that. So have which is this. So Biden and Kamala and the entire left-wing movement scare the crap out of other children with nonstop end-of-the-world indoctrination rhetoric on climate change. And then, then they wonder why millennials and Generation Xers are so paralyzed with fear that they won't invest in the, in the future. How many times have we warned on the impact of the leftover over-the-top doomsday hysteria on our children? This is a bit of a replay of what happened in 1970s when women tragically stopped having children so they wouldn't have to, wouldn't contribute to fake population bomb, remember? Uh, the Malthusian concept that we're going to run out of food because we got too many people. Now they're scare tactic or torpedoing the uh, Biden economy. As for me, I don't suffer for any climate anxiety. I have Kamala anxiety instead. Well, this is such an interesting story. Where did all the money come from for the uh, attacks on Israel? Israel has frozen multiple accounts of the uh, cryptocurrency exchange Binance that it believes Hamas was using to raise money, the cyber arm of the Israeli police announced yesterday. It's not clear if shuttered accounts directly financed by last weekend's assault on Israel's Israeli citizens, uh, which marked the beginning of the current war between Israel and Hamas. 
law enforcement didn't specify how many accounts they froze or how much crypto they found, but said they seized funds that would be diverted to Israel's state treasury. This isn't the first. Israel has seized 190 other Binance wallets. It uh, linked to Hamas or Islamic State group since 2021. Hamas is regarded as one of the most sophisticated users of crypto-enabled terror financing, a former U.S. Treasury official told the Wall Street Journal. The group, which is largely bankrolled by Iran, uses crypto solicited through social media to get around the international banking sanctions imposed because it uh, began. it's been flagged as a terrorist group by the U.S. and the E.U., Hamas reportedly began publicly uh, fundraising crypto in 2019 uh, via its Telegram channel and raised about $30,000 in Bitcoin for one wallet that year. Between the summer of 2021 and the summer of 23, about $41 million worth of crypto is deposited in crypto wallets linked to Hamas, according to Tel Aviv-based analytics firm. The Palestinian Islamic Jihad and Hezbollah, two other uh, U.S. and EU-designated terrorist groups involved in the fighting against Israel, have also partially funded their operations with digital currency. Well, this is a concern. So how do you track this stuff? And uh, Actually, I have a friend, close friend, and his wife, the wife, is uh, the vice president of a company who specializes in uh, this kind of stuff. So so it's interesting. Maybe get her on the show. Uh, the uh, money raised uh, $93 million in crypto between August 21 and June 23. The group also sent more than $12 million in digital currency to Hezbollah, according to Elliptic, a crypto analytics provider. Israel seized $1.7 million in crypto in June from wallets linked to Hezbollah and the Iranian uh, military. Crypto's anonymity and nearly untraceability have made it popular choice for terror financing. Crypto-assisted attacks have also had quadrupled in uh, recent years, according to the UN estimates. <clears throat> but recent developments in blockchain tracking techniques and uh, platform-mandated ID checks have made it easier for authorities to identify and seize illicit funds. Well, more than 99% of illegal uh, immigrants released by the Biden administration from the border between uh, 21 and 23 remain in the United States, 99% according to a report released on Monday. Uh, thanks to the relentless efforts by the committee and its immigrant, uh, immigration subcommittee, Biden's DHS has finally caved and provided crucial data on, border, on the border crisis, the GOP committee wrote. According to the interim staff report titled The Biden Border Crisis, the new data and testimony showed how Biden administration opened the southwest border and abandoned interior immigration enforcement. There are more than 5 million Im illegal immigrants encounters encountered uh, by the U.S. Border Patrol between January 20, 2021 and March 31, 2023. Of these encounters, at least 2,464,000 had no confirmed departure from the United States. The Biden administration has removed from the United States, get this, 5,993 illegal aliens who were encountered at the southwest border and who were placed in removal proceedings before an immigration judge during that time. In other words, of at least 2.1 million aliens released in the United States since January 20th, January uh, 2021, the Biden administration has failed to remove through immigration court removal proceedings roughly 99.7% of those illegal aliens. 
That is sad commentary. And my real question is, uh, I'm sure there's some fine people coming in who want to just find a job and get get their lives back in order, but uh, they're criminals. They're uh, people who are mentally ill. They're people who have bad intents, who are terrorists, who want to destroy this country. How do we know who these people are and what can we do about it? It's, uh, it's very, very concerning. Finally on the show, a new indictment filed Tuesday charges U.S. Representative George Santos with stealing the identities of donors to his campaign and then using their credit cards to ring up tens of thousands of dollars in unauthorized charges. Can you believe this guy is the United States Representative in New York and he ends up doing this? Prosecutors say some of the stolen money ended up in his own bank account. The 23-account indictment replaces one filed earlier this uh, against the New York Republican, charging him with embezzling money from his campaign and lying to Congress about his wealth, among other offenses. The new charges include allegations that he charged more than $44,000 to his campaign over a period of months using cards belonging to contributors without their knowledge. Can you believe that? In one case, he charged uh, $12,000 to a contributor's credit card and transferred the vast majority of that money into his personal bank account. <laughs> Santos is also accused of falsely reporting to the Federal Elections Commission that he had loaned $500,000 to his campaign in an attempt to convince the Republican Party officials that he was a serious candidate when he actually transferred less than $8,000 from his personal account. As alleged, Sandals is charged with stealing people's identities and making charges of his own donors' credit cards without their authorization, lying to the FCC and, by extension, the public about financial financial state of his campaign. This guy belongs in jail. This he he is. This is just a, a situation of mental illness. He is just absolutely out of control by uh, violating the norms and the laws here in the United States. And he is supposedly. Uh, the elected official representing some of the fine people in New York. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, for those of you that might have a concern, I'm bringing my wife home today after her uh, episode on Saturday. So she's uh, going to be fine and going to be home, and I'm just really pleased to report that. I hope you tune in tomorrow. We have some terrific guests for you, as well as uh, as Keith Flaw, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance, and uh, Michael Cannon, director of health policy studies at the Cato Institute. And Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, will be joining us as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs>